Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager, and welcome to my fireside chat. It's been months since my last fireside chat, and I want you to know that I miss doing this. I really do get a kick out of it. I enjoy it. It's a real chance to get to know you and obviously for you to get to know me even better because it's completely unscripted, 100%. I think of an idea. What will I talk about at the opening? Then you ask questions and anything goes. The reason that I haven't been on for a few months is that I was working on the biggest writing project of my life. Are we okay, guys? Yeah. And the, the project was the first volume of my explanation and commentary of the first five books of the Bible because we need terribly to understand why this book, the most important book in history, whether you're an atheist or, or a non-Westerner, it's not deniable. It's the most important book in history, but very few people are reading it other than the very committed religious. And that was never true in American history. That was America's book. Abraham Lincoln didn't go to church much, but he read the Bible every single day. It's the, it's the greatest, repository of wisdom ever written in my view it, it's it made the moral foundations of the western civilization possible and i want to explain it so you will love it and understand it so my first volume is coming out in a couple of months and uh, yes i will tell you i've never pushed a book of mine and this is my eighth book this i'm pushing because i want to have a renaissance for the bible and it's about the book of Exodus, which has the Ten Commandments and much more. You can pre-order it at Amazon. It's called The Rational Bible, because I don't ask you to take anything on faith. It's just reasonable. It's meant to change your life. Okay, I got that out. That's why I wasn't here. It's the biggest book, and I have four more to go, because it's five books. Okay, here's today's topic. One moment. Mm. One moment. You know, I never got a taste for alcohol. I don't get a big kick. Even out of beer, I don't get a big kick. Wine gives me a headache and liquor, forget it. But this is delicious. Okay, got that out of my system. Anyway, welcome to my home. Sometimes you see the bulldog, sometimes you don't. We also have a basset hound. We chose them because they're the two funniest breeds. And my view is, why shouldn't your pet make you laugh? right right so i'm going to talk to you about a very serious subject everybody's talking about immigration and the democrat who gave the response to the president's state of the union address was congressman kennedy joe kennedy i believe is his first name is it joe in from massachusetts and he said he saw a sign at the last women's march and the sign said, you build the wall, our generation will tear it down. And he got a big applause. That was a very scary thing for him to say. Why is it wrong for a society to protect its border? Well, there's a reason. This, it will be something for you to mull over for a while, but this is critical. Since Karl Marx, the father, the father of leftism, 
in the early 1800s, all leftist, not liberal, but all leftist thought has opposed the nation state. They think it's primitive. They, they want, they, they divide the world not by German and French and American and, and Mexican and so on, but by class, the workers class and the employers class, let's say, or the, the bourgeoisie or whatever you, they want to do. That's what matters to them, not nations. You've heard of Superman? Superman, a couple of years ago in the comic strip, Superman stood in front of the United Nations and announced... I renounce my American citizenship. He became a citizen of the world. He's no longer bound by being an American. They don't want people in Europe. The left in Europe wants people to feel European, not British, not English. British includes English, but I know that, but whatever the term, Scottish or, or French or German or Portuguese or what have you. That's for primitive people, for a really progressive, sophisticated person. National identity is, is at, at, at best meaningless and at worst dangerous. Okay? So that's why the left in America wants as many immigrants as possible, legal or illegal because it doesn't matter. There's no American identity worth sustaining. For, for people on the left, America is not a specific place. It's a geographic location. That's it. So please understand the big, gigantic issue involved here. The, the conservative wants to conserve American distinctiveness and Canadian distinctiveness and Mexican distinctiveness and Uruguayan and Portuguese and Japanese, it's a nice thing to have a national identity. That's what we say, okay? And our motto, the American model, one of the three American mottos is e pluribus unum, from many one. But you, it's not just from many, it's from many one, one American people. We love immigrants, we're all children of immigrants. That's how America was made, we understand that but they became something new called American. This notion of having an identity is loathsome to the folks on the left. In fact, if you say the words American identity, they think you're a neo-Nazi. That's amazing. Just that very term. Try it. Say, you know what? I really think it's a beautiful thing if people keep their American identity. They'll think that you're quasi-fascist or just plain fascist. But I want to talk about something even bigger than that, the concept of identity. There's another identity the left doesn't want you to have. They even deny it exists, a gender identity. Aren't we told, aren't you if you're young, aren't you told all the time, oh, gender isn't binary, it's not male or female. People, it's just a fluid thing, there's really no male or female. People are what they think they are, what they feel they are, but more than that, they don't have to be anything. You can now in California, as of next year, on your license, be male, female, or neither. I think it's called binary, but it might be neither or none or what have you. That's amazing. 
So now there are two identities that they, they're not in favor of. They, so, so much so that teachers all over America are told, don't call your students, we're talking first graders, don't call your students boys and girls anymore because then you're dividing them up into boys and girls. But we don't celebrate boy and girl identity, right? Pink for girls, blue for boys. Oh, please, that's sexist. No, it's an identity. It, it's, it, it's, it's where, it's really, which actually is a nice thing. There's something precious, just as there's something precious about feeling you're an American or a Romanian or, or, or a Czech or, or Japanese. There's something precious about feeling that you're a man or feeling you're a woman or a boy or a girl. It's, it's a good thing to have an identity. The left is obliterating the concept of identity, even human. Humans are just animals. We used to say, when I was a kid, we would say, human beings and animals. Not anymore. Now they say human beings and other animals. They got the word other into our vocabulary. We're just an other animal. So even that identity, as it were, is not particularly celebrated. But again, think of it. I don't celebrate my national identity. I don't celebrate my gender identity. And I'm not over. They certainly don't want you to celebrate your religious identity. Imagine if you walk around in the, in the, in the United States proudly saying you're a Christian. Whoa, they don't like that either. What are you talking about? That's not inclusive. Inclusive is another way of obliterating any identity. So now imagine you say, you know what? I am proud to be, I feel good about being a Christian American woman. Holy crow, you are like uh, a sort of secular devil. Well, religious devil, actually, in that case. You're, you're the worst. You're celebrating all those things? Don't we transcend those things? After all, if you're American, then you're not any other nationality. If you're Christian, then you're not any other religion. And if you're a woman, you're not any other gender. That's not inclusive, is it? I feel for you if you're, if you're a young person in the West. I really do. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You are being deprived. You are deliberately being deprived of major joys in life. There was something beautiful about having a national, a religious, and a gender identity. It is actually beautiful. It's ugly if it's evil, obviously. Th that goes that goes without saying, but they're not evil. They're, they're part of what makes us human. To have an identity is a wonderful thing. So what will you be? You're not a man or a woman, you're just part of a spectrum. You're not an American, you're just part of the human species. You're not a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim for that matter. You're not, you're not anything. Although they do celebrate Muslims, it's, it's, the left is not fully consistent because after all, they're not Christian and they really have it in for Christians or Christianity. And I'm saying that as a Jew, so I don't have any ax to grind in that regard. I, the only ax I have to grind is the one I'm grinding 
that it's nice to have an identity if it's a moral identity, obviously. What Hitler did with German identity was make German identity in evil. I don't celebrate that, just in case you were wondering. But where it's good, it's good. It's not good to be nothing. Just me. You're not just you. You're something. It's good to be something, not just you. <clears throat> so that's the, uh, that's my thought for today's opening <coughs> of the, uh, whatchamacallit, of our uh, fireside chat. You guys got the fire in the uh, thing? This is a real fire, by the way. That is not yellow uh, paper mache or whatever they use. Okay, it's time for me to take uh, your questions. And uh, I hope you're all watching Prager University videos. By the way, you know I do a national radio show. You can get it. There's an app. You can hear it any time, three hours a day, or I'm on your local station, wherever you might be. Okay, now, here we go. Uh, that's an interesting one. Um, I'll go to that in a moment because I just talked about that here. Dan from San Francisco. How you doing, Dan? How did you react to the Democrats sitting stone-faced throughout the whole State of the Union? I don't care about that. What I care about is when they sat stone-faced. Well, you asked, you said throughout, so that's fair. I do care. If they sit stone-faced when they don't like when the, what they hear, then okay, I understand that. I don't have a problem with that. I don't expect Republicans to sit smiling through a, a Barack Obama State of the Union. But what is troubling is when they're stone-faced over something they should be s celebrating. Why would members of the Black Congressional Caucus, the Congressional Black Caucus, the CBC, sit stone-faced when the president announces that this is the lowest unemployment rate ever recorded for black America? Well, are th I don't understand. Don't they, doesn't the, don't the Democrats in general and the Congressional Black Caucus in, in particular, don't they want higher employment for blacks? Isn't that something celebrating? Even if it happens under a Republican president, that blew my mind. Or when he spoke about uh, our problems with communist Cuba and socialist Venezuela. Wait, you, you, you're, not, you're not aboard on that one, you folks in the Democratic Party? You think it's wrong to be opposed to two vile regimes that almost starve their people? Venezuela was the richest country in Latin America till the left took over. But I guess since the left took over, can't say anything really bad about it. And as for Cuba, these poor people living in a totalitarian state since 1959. So the issue for me was, you really are going to sit stone-faced through this good news and that good news? I really wanted to see if they applauded when the president said, you know, we're, we're opening the FDA up so that people with terminal illnesses, people were told, you are going to die. That's what a terminal illness is. You are going to die. And there are experimental drugs available, which in a, in, in a sheer, pure act of meanness, the FDA has banned people using. Drop dead. You can't use an experimental drug. We haven't approved. Well... I would use it, and so would you. So people do, as, as President Trump said. They go from country to country, 
and, and they often don't have the money to do so. They borrow it, and they and they don't have the strength because they're terminally ill. But most people don't want to die. Why why not let them have an experimental drug? And I'll tell you why. The left hates relinquishing government power. That's why. Period. End of issue. Jordan from Houston. Hi, Jordan. In the Bible, it says to honor your father and mother. Does that include in-laws? No, it doesn't include in-laws, but you should honor your father and mother. Let us put it this way. Your spouse should certainly, because for your spouse, your in-laws are their parents. So what you should try to do is bring your spouse to honoring your in-laws in case they have a rift or tension between them. You can play a tremendously positive role in rebinding uh, a child to that is your spouse to his or her parents. That would be a great thing for you to do. Generally speaking, of course, you should honor your in-laws, but I have to answer you honestly. That's not what the commandment is about. All right. Haven from Michigan. Is Haven male or female? Or is that an improper question? It's a male name now? Hi, Haven. What are your thoughts on the political divide between rural and city areas? Well, I, I tend to uh, more appreciate the rural part of that divide. I have, uh, I have a real ambivalent relationship to cities. On the one hand, I love all the things that are available in the city, all the culture available, all the shopping available. I, I appreciate all of that. On the other hand, the anonymity of the city does not generally provoke people to be kinder and more caring about their neighbor. So that's a big problem. I grew up in New York City. In New York City, millions and millions of people live. Many of them have no clue who their neighbor is. In rural areas, everybody knows who their neighbor is. People love that, by the way. It's one of the appeals of New York City to many people. Hey, totally an anonymous. Well, I understand the appeal of anonymity, but I know the downside. Madison from Denver. My daughter just started high school and I want her to start watching PragerU videos. What is the best video to start her with and why? You have to decide. I, I can't tell you. If I saw the list of 300 or nearly 300, I might be able to have a better answer for you. It, it, it's generally speaking, I would start a, a person, whether young or not young, but especially a young person with pers the personal videos on happiness and, and the like. Let them see the human aspect of what we do and then they'll see the moral and philosophical and political and economic aspects. But you know your child better than I do and you, you choose accordingly. But I, I can't think of anyone that would be bad to start uh, your, your kid with. Ben from Los Angeles, if someone has committed an evil act, how can they make themselves whole again? Can anyone truly ever redeem themselves? Wow. 
It depends what the evil is. It's a, it's a very tough question to answer. See, in most of most evil, not all, there's a way of somehow in, in, in your redemption, working through what you did with the victim of your bad act. If you embezzled funds from somebody and really caused them economic hardship, I don't mean, you know, just a few dollars you know, with a very rich person, which is also completely wrong, but it's not really hurt them that much. But if you've even hurt them, you can in some way compensate them economically. But somebody who obviously take the worst act murdered, that's a toughie because you can't work through what you did with the murder. They're dead. Having said all of that, people should work to redeem themselves in some way. And that is, that is where religion plays a very powerful or good religion. There's good religion and bad religion, just like there's good secular and bad secular and good this and bad this. There are good schools and bad schools, good doctors, bad doctors, and there's good religion and bad religion. But religion has worked hard in this regard for you to become, so to speak, a new a new person and a new soul. And I've met such people and it's 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 a very uplifting thing to do so. So this task this path is available, but you must first work to redeem yourself, to use your your language with the person you hurt. Kelly from Washington, will the memo released tomorrow really be bigger than Watergate? As, as it says, I think it's a biblical phrase, I am not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I have no idea what will happen and I certainly don't know if it's bigger than Watergate. I will say this, if, if a presidential administration and or our uh, intelligence agencies have used have been used for political purposes like the IRS the Internal Revenue Service was used for political services during the Obama era to uh, deny or massively delay the uh, the giving of a uh, 501c3 status to conservative groups tax-exempt status that's a very scary that's much bigger than Watergate okay Noah from Irvine California what is your best advice for becoming a man uh, well you've already begun wanting to become a man a lot of um, boys or men want to stay boys and that's uh, you can't you can't uh, become a man if you want to stay a boy my uh, I guess my first piece of advice is that you get married that that makes a lot of boys into men that's why a lot of single women looking to get married have often said to me privately and on the radio it's really a it's really tough it's a problem because all the best men are married there's a reason that in general the best men are married one is the best men get married 
The other is, marriage makes men better. <laughs> so it, it works in both directions. That's why I think it's a mistake for a young woman to, to have a cavalier attitude about getting married. Oh, you know, I'm not really thinking about it. I'm, I'm just focused on, on, on work and career. Then they turn 30 and they're still focused on the career. You know, if a guy comes around, I, I don't know. Nobody says if a job comes around, people pursue jobs. People per should pursue spouses. Unless you don't think it's that important, which is another terrible idea foisted upon you by the, the dominant ideology of our time on the left. It's a real disservice, the downplaying of the significance of being a man, of being a woman, and of being married. Sierra from Fort Collins. How come you didn't put in the uh, state there? I assume that's uh, Colorado. How do we help people in poverty become more self-reliant by not giving them anything? It has a magic effect. When you're not enabled, you become self-reliant. I don't care if it's your child or someone you don't know. Clearly, if somebody is so poor and so incapable of working for food, we must help them. That's a given. But that's not true for most people. Most people don't are not forced by circumstances into working anymore. And that's not good for them. There's dignity. There's such dignity in taking care of yourself. The American ideal was first I take care of me, then I take care of my family, then I take care of my community. Now it's all been obliterated. The government will take care of me, the government will take care of my family, and the government will take care of my community. I can do video games. Will from New York City, how do we bring God back to our universities? Beats me. It's not going to happen for a long time. And, and, and I, I'm not, I, I don't have a problem with the university not being a religious university. I have a problem with the university teaching in effect that God is meaningless, useless, and even bad. If, if you know that every great university from Harvard to, to Yale to Princeton, they were all founded to produce ministers. That was the original intent. They just assumed that if you were biblically illiterate, you had no wisdom. But anyway, the universities have no interest in wisdom. They have interest in indoctrination and in some degree of knowledge, but knowledge isn't wisdom. My computer has a tremendous amount of knowledge, but it has no wisdom. Greg from Los Angeles, how do you explain students' love for socialism despite its failures? They don't know its failures. They have been protected by a people who have an interest in loving socialism. See, let me explain something about what is the tragedy of the campus. Professors, I'll begin with business people. A person in business 
who has a, has a really foolish idea goes out of business, right? Uh, I have a new idea for a car, three wheels. It's not as good as four wheels, and they will go out of business. Or even, how about two wheels? One wheel. But at a university, the, it doesn't matter if your idea doesn't work in life. You have tenure. You're still a professor. In fact, the more far-fetched your idea is, the more you're considered a, a luminous thinker. Ideas don't have to work on campus because the campus is not a real place. It's a theory place. So that's what happens. In the world of theory, socialism sounds great. In the world of reality, it's awful. All the billions lifted out of poverty for the first time in human history were lifted out by capitalism, not by socialism. Socialism spends the money that capitalism makes. That's what it's great at. Socialism is great at one thing, spending money. But you have to produce wealth in order to spend it. How much time, guys? What, what's, our, what's our state here? I think we're doing, yeah, we have a few more minutes. All right. Uh, Jake from Norwalk, California. Do leaders shape their cultures or do cultures shape their leaders? It's completely both. It's absolutely both. I, however, am of the opinion that individuals are more powerful uh, ultimately than they're given credit for. If it weren't for Winston Churchill, I don't know if Hitler would not have taken over Europe and kept it. Churchill stopped it. If there had been another British leader, I don't know what would have happened. And uh, even worse, this is even worse. Much, I mean, well, that's not worse. That's great. This is the opposite on, on the moral plane. Hitler. I've studied the Holocaust my whole life. And I, I concluded many years ago that if it were not for Hitler, there wouldn't have been a Holocaust. It took a lot more than one man to make the Holocaust possible. But if, it, if, if another German, even another German dictator had arisen who wasn't preoccupied with murdering every Jew on earth, it wouldn't have happened. The individual can have a big impact. Generally speaking, an individual can hurt far more people than an individual can help a lot of people. That's unfortunate, but it's, that's the reality. But anyway, we affect one another. The individual affects the culture and the culture affects the individual. Oh boy, Willow from Anchorage, Alaska. What are your thoughts on the Women's March? What was it for? That's my thought on it. The freest, richest women on earth are demonstrating like there's some sort of oppression that is taking place in this wonderful country of ours. Uh, it, it, it will be recorded as one of the most absurd marches in human history. The women of Iran must think the women of America are out of their minds.
You want to know what it's like to be an oppressed woman? Spend a week here. What are you talking about? Women walking around in pussy hats, taking their eight-year-old daughters with them, while, while wearing uh, the uh, you know what is a, a a cute word, if you will, for the vagina. I saw pictures of women dressed as vaginas. Can you think of something more immature? If a guy dressed as a penis, would you have admiration for him? Not I. But a woman dresses a vagina as a vagina. Ooh, she's making a statement. She certainly is that she's an idiot. She has made that statement very clear. I just hope that she didn't bring her little girl or boy. Hey, that's my mommy. You see the vagina over there? That's my mommy. I mean, we, it, it's hard not to not to have contempt for a lot of these women. But, of course, what the left does is if you criticize men, you're terrific, you're a giant, you're wonderful, you're progressive. But if you criticize women, you're a sexist, you're a misogynist. That's what they do. It's brilliant. If you criticize any other group other than white males, then you are a form of bigot. But I, I don't care. You can call me anything you like. If you said that I were, was a tortoise, I would realize it didn't matter. It spoke about you, not me, that you think I'm a tortoise. If you think I am a bigot, it says only things about you. I know I don't have a bigoted bone in my body. That's the reason I can criticize any group because I take them all seriously. If women act like babies, they're babies. That's it. If men act like uh, harassing bad guys, then they're harassing bad guys. That's it. Last question. MJ from Cleveland. What books are good for a teenage boy that teaches, teaches build self-esteem and confidence? I guess that teaches self-esteem and confidence. I don't know if a book could teach you self-esteem. The only thing that teaches you self-esteem is doing something estimable. That's the only way a book can't give you self-esteem and a book can't give you confidence. Achieve something. The more you achieve, the more self-esteem you'll have and the more confidence you'll have. We have a great video on that. It's about, I don't remember the name, but it's about the trophies that we give for, for kids for doing nothing. When my son was on a baseball team when he was about 11, eight, 10 years old, I, he, his team came in last. That's a, it's a Prager tradition. And uh, he got a trophy. So I said, uh, David, why'd you, get, uh, why'd you get a trophy? Your team came in last. He said, for participating. What kind, what kind of nonsense is that? You participated, you got a trophy for, why don't you give a, why don't you give a trophy for breathing or sitting? No, no. The way to get self-esteem is to earn it. I have, I should make a list of my five favorite verbs. Earn might be my favorite. And anyone who says that, just know you know immediately if they love the word earn, they're conservative. That's defining. Well, it's been great to be with you. And I'm back. I have another four volumes on my really big task to make the Bible 
morally and personally relevant, please take a look at the Rational Bible. It's coming out in a couple of months. It's on Amazon. And I know I'm selling you something. I feel very self-conscious in doing so, but let me assure you, nobody writes a commentary on the Bible to get rich. This is a work of love. Because without that book, Western civilization would not have existed and won't survive. And let us know how you like our uh, fireside chats. Contact us at PragerU. Watch our videos. And thanks for watching. I'm Dennis Prager.